So God willing, today we're going to start a new series uh, about the priesthood. Um, and the reason this is an important uh, topic is because the priesthood is, is one of the sacraments of the church. Um, and it's given to only a certain group of people. And all throughout the history of scripture, there have been people who have argued, uh, even in the Old Testament, that the priesthood should be something that is uh, that that everyone has. That everyone is a priest, and and with a kind of um, jealousy that why is it that God gave this specific gift to certain people and not to other people? Um, the priesthood has a role in the salvation of of, of all of us, um, and that's why God gives it to us. He gives it to us because it is a, a way of of the officiation of the sacraments through which the grace of God is given to us. So for instance, when we speak about um, the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ, it is given to us through um, the prayers of the priest, um, the intercessions of the priest praying for us, all of the sacraments, baptism and confirmation, and um, all these things are given through the work of the priesthood. So God gave the, the work of the priest in order to be a blessing and a means of salvation for all the people, not as a, a means for the people who have been chosen um, as the priest to exalt themselves, um, or to take honor on themselves. Actually, it is a sacrifice that they take um, in order to work with God in this way. So um, I'm going to speak a little bit about this uh, topic um, in the next few weeks. Um, and the majority of this is from the book by His Holiness Pope Shenouda III, uh, which is just simply titled The Priesthood. Um, so I would recommend anyone, you can find it online, the English version of it um, online, um, if you would like to. Uh, if you would like to read it yourself. Um, so the first thing I want to mention is um, all of the times where there have been people who have denied the priesthood or have tried to take the priesthood by force. Um, and primarily there's two objections when it comes to the priesthood. Um, so in, um, for instance, in the Protestant church, in the majority of the Protestant churches, um, they don't acknowledge the priesthood and they consider that everyone is a priest. Uh, and so we, there is no special status of priest. Even when you read in the Protestant translations of the Bible, which we actually use, the New King James Version is one, um, whenever the, the, the Greek word presbyter uh, or presbyteros is found, um, most of the time it is translated as elder. And so you will find in Protestant churches the, 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 the people who are referred to as elders. So they could be lay leaders, like leaders of the church. They could be people who um, are giving sermons, pastors, and so on. Um, but they're not considered that they have a special sacramental role uh, in the church. They're considered just as administrative leaders of the church or people who are teachers, people who teach the word of God, but they are not considered to be having some special status given to them by the grace of God working in them. And that is, of course, the difference between us and the Orthodox Church um, and other churches. So the, the two main objections to the priesthood are one, the priesthood is limited to the person of Christ and there is no priesthood for any other human. So um, that's one objection, is that there is no such thing as priest at all. But Christ is the great high priest and he is the only priest. Um, the second objection is, as I said, we are all priests and all are equal and no one has any privilege above others. All share the same level of responsibility and the same honor and so on. So we're gonna address these, okay? So, um, the universal priesthood, which is, there's a, I'll read for you the verse, but that talks about this universal priesthood of believers, this idea that we all are priests, uh, where does it come from? Um, this actually was 
something that was declared both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the people who want to push the idea that there is no special rank of priesthood and that everyone is a priest will point to this verse and say, Look, here St. Peter is referring to all of the people. The epistle of St. Peter is a Catholic epistle addressed to the whole church. So he's addressing the church, and he's saying you are a royal priesthood. Okay. So based on this, some people will conclude that there is no special rank or status of priest in the New Testament, and that that was something that was actually abolished in the Old Testament uh, after the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, you had the priesthood of Levi, Um, And then after that, there was no more need for priesthood anymore. And as evidenced here by the fact that St. Peter is saying to all the people that they are um, the royal priesthood. Um, So how can we understand this? Um, Also, they used another verse in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory uh, and dominion forever and ever. So the question is, is this rank of priesthood available to everyone or is there such a rank a special rank of priesthood as we today nowadays consider um, in the Orthodox Church that there is a special rank for priest Um, what's interesting is that the same uh, type of message that st. Peter gave in the New Testament was actually given in the Old Testament as well so in Exodus 19 verse 6 it says and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation These are the words which you'll speak to the children of Israel. So we know for a fact that God ordained and set aside a group of people in the Old Testament to be priests. We know this for sure, that he said all of the children of Aaron, all the descendants of Aaron, the brother of Moses, are the priests. And this was maintained for generations and generations and generations, and even hundreds of years after the time of Moses and Aaron, whenever anyone who was not of the lineage of Aaron would try to take the priest or offer incense, there would be disastrous results, that God would either smite them with leprosy or something horrible would happen to them. Okay, So, so it's very clear in the Old Testament that there was a rank of priesthood. And I think nobody argues this that there was the rank of priesthood but even in the old testament god said this you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation so if if people are going to refer to the verse that i mentioned in in first peter this one you're a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation if they're going to say that this verse means that there is no special rank of priest well how can we explain that if in the old testament the same thing was said Right? There was a special rank of priests, but at the same time, God also said, you are a kingdom of priests. Okay, So what does it mean? How do we understand it when he says you are a kingdom of priests? How do we understand it when he says um, here that you, are, uh, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and he's addressing um, all of the people? How do we understand? So this does not mean that all of the people have the special status of priest and that perform all the duties of the priest. Okay, this was uh, a misinterpretation and was actually rejected by God. So there was a, an incident that happened in the book of Numbers, which is called the rebellion of Korah. Korah and, and these other men, Dathan and Abiram, there were people who were complaining against God because they wanted the priesthood of, Mo, of, of Aaron. They said, why do you 
give Aaron such a special status. In number 16, it says, They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So they, they, they focused on Moses and Aaron, and they said, Why is it that you are taking the status of priesthood for yourself, and you are... Uh, but, but all of us are holy. All of us are priests. Okay. And actually, there was this kind of scene where everyone um, begins to offer incense to God, and God was going to choose who is it that He accepts as priest. And the earth opens up and swallows all of those people who are not of the children of Aaron. Okay. So God made it very clear in the Old Testament that He rejected anyone claiming priesthood uh, uh, that was not among the children of Aaron that God had ordained. So despite the fact that the whole community was holy, God chose particular people to be priests in the Old Testament, and the same is true in the New Testament. There's, there's no, nothing, nothing changed. The role of the priesthood changed in the way that the priest is, is offering sacrifice. The type of sacrifice changed because the, the, when Christ came, he became the sacrifice. We, the, no longer are they the sacrifices of the burnt offerings that was done in the Old Testament. So, but the priest is still offering the sacrifice. He's offering the sacrifice of the New Testament, which is the sacrifice of the Eucharist. So the priesthood was not something that was held in common by all, but God singled out Aaron and his sons for this specific purpose. And again, anyone who tried to take this priesthood among them, on themselves, there would be dire consequences. Um, the priests were the ones to offer the sacrifices. They were the ones to raise incense. They were the, the ones to perform the other priestly function. Um, and no one else ever dared to do these things, okay? Because, again, God made it very clear what the con consequences were for trying to do these things. But despite this, the entire nation was called a priestly kingdom, right? So how do we understand what does it mean that's a priestly kingdom? What does it mean that God made us kings and priests, okay? So um, this is like the spiritual meaning, the spiritual meaning of the priest. The spiritual meaning of priesthood is the one who offers sacrifice, Right. So when King David says in Psalm 141, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. This is a type of spiritual priesthood, meaning we are offering a sacrifice to God. This is what the priest does. The priest offers sacrifice. Right. In the Old Testament, the priest is the one who would offer the five types of offerings um, in the tabernacle or in the temple. And so also. Here, the type of spiritual priesthood is the one who offers a sacrifice to God. And so he's even saying that the prayer is like the incense. So the priest would offer incense, like actual incense, whereas the spiritual priest, the spiritual priesthood, they would offer incense in the form of prayer. So just as when we see the priest offering the actual incense, the smoke of the incense rises up, right? So the prayers that we offer are like incense that are rising up to God the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And this is what it means when God says that we are a nation of priests. He says we are a nation that prays. We are a nation that offers sacrifice of ourselves um, to God. And so this is the sacrifice. It is the personal sacrifice that I am offering of myself to God. Also in Romans chapter 12, St. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Again, so what type of offering is this? This is an offering of myself to submit myself to the commandments of God. When he says, um, 
present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Meaning, I am, I am offering my, myself as holy. I am subjecting myself to the commandments of God. I am humbling myself before God. This is a type of sacrifice that I am offering to God. So in this sense, the, everyone is considered a priest in this sense. This is the spiritual priesthood. Okay. In Galatians 5 verse 24, it says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is part of the sacrifice that I'm making. Just as Christ was offered himself on the cross as a sacrifice, I am not physically on the cross, but I am crucifying the flesh, which means that I am I'm struggling against the sinful desires of the flesh, and I am working toward achieving that holiness that we were talking about. This is part of the mortification of the flesh. It's part of the struggle and part of the spiritual priesthood. Always, uh, also in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 4, it says, Always carrying about in the body uh, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Again, we are comparing the spiritual struggle that we are struggling with now to the, 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 the suffering of Christ on the cross. Again, we did not physically, we were not physically crucified with Christ. But when we struggle in the flesh, it is like a crucifixion, right? So that's the spiritual crucifixion, just as there is the actual priesthood and there is the spiritual priesthood. All of these spiritual sacrifices are part of worship and prayer. Um, and another example is the sacrifice of praise. In Hebrews 13, it says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him, to, to his name. So even when we stand to praise God, this is considered a sacrifice. Because when we offer our praise to God, we are sacrificing of ourselves. We are sacrificing of our ego. We are sacrificing of our time. We are sacrificing of our bodily strength to stand and to praise God. This is also a sacrifice. Psalm 116 says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Also in Hebrews 13, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. All of these things are considered sacrifice. When we give of ourselves, in some way, is sacrifice. So again, in all these ways, we are participating in the spiritual priesthood. <clears throat> but this, the fact that we all are priests in this sense, doesn't mean and doesn't prevent that there is a special rank and status of priest for the offering of the sacraments and that God has chosen certain people to have this function and have this purpose. And again, the reason why God selects certain people for this purpose is for the salvation of everyone, not for um, the glory of the people who have been selected to be the priests, but for the salvation of everyone. Even when you think about in the Old Testament, um, the purpose and the role of the, of, the, of, the, of the priests was not to just receive honor from the people. Actually, the 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 levites the tribe of levi was the only tribe that did not receive any inheritance of land whenever they entered into the promised land all the 12 tribes of israel they all received um, a certain allotment of land where they would dwell except for the levites where, where did the levites live you know but they didn't just live in the tabernacle they lived everywhere 
So they had special cities that was for them everywhere, and they would live among all the people because y you needed access to the priests. So like if you have people who are living way over here, right? They want access to the priests so they can offer sacrifice, right? So because the, 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 the tabernacle is where the priest would offer the sacrifice. But there were other roles that the priest did beyond simply offering the sacrifice in the tabernacle, right? So, so for instance, when a person um, had leprosy, they would say, go show this leprous tumor to the priest, and the priest will tell you whether this is leprosy or not. All the other things that the priest would do. So the priest would live among the people. Okay, so they didn't have a special uh, uh, inheritance of land, but they lived everywhere uh, among the people. David, for instance, even though he was the anointed of the Lord, and even though he was a prophet, but he was not a priest, and he did not ever try to offer incense. Saul, his predecessor, was the king, when he tried to offer incense and offer, make offer sacrifice, um, he was condemned by Samuel the prophet for what is it that he tried to do. So, so again, there are certain individuals that are chosen in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament that can offer certain kinds of sacrifices that only they offer and no one else can offer. And of course, in the New Testament, that includes the sacrifice of the body and blood of Christ uh, in, the, in the Eucharist. What did St. Paul say about the uh, priesthood in the New Testament? It says, And no man take this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. Right? So, so who is it who becomes priest? It is the one who is called by God. This is why actually in our church, which is kind of unique in the Coptic church, many other Orthodox churches uh, don't operate this way, but um, unique in the Coptic church is that there is no uh, th there is no application form for priesthood. Like there is no, let me go and 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 and, and I'm going to go into the seminary and I'm going to study uh, to be a priest and then I graduate and I become ordained a priest. Um, there is no selection. Like you don't choose to be a priest. The priesthood is a hundred percent that you are called. So if the bishop calls you to be a priest, then you can be a priest. If he doesn't call you to be a priest, you you can't apply to be a priest, right? Um, and, and so he's saying here, it is a calling. It is a selection. And even this, Hebrews chapter 5, this of course is in the New Testament. No man takes this honor to himself. No one tries to acquire it of himself because in the Old Testament as well, it was not something that you could choose. You were either born as the son of Aaron or you weren't, right? And those were the only people who were the priests. Um, what are some of the attempts to take the priesthood to usurp the priesthood? Um, seeking the priesthood was actually a very common problem um, and the attempt to seize it and grant it as a birthright to all was spearheaded by people who wrongly interpreted a kingdom of priests in number 16.3 which is the rebellion of Korah as I mentioned Korah, Dathan and Abiram led a group of rebels they took censers and they proceeded to offer incense and as recorded in chapter 16 of the book of Numbers the Lord commanded the earth to open up and swallow all of them so God made it very very clear that he rejects this actually one of the kings uh king uzzah or uzziah king uzziah um who was a very successful king in terms of like all that he accomplished uh for israel but once he tried to take the priesthood to himself um he was he was punished severely 
Um, in Numbers 18.7, it says, Therefore, this is speaking to Korah after they tried to take the priesthood. It says, Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Right? So who is it who has the, the priesthood? Those who have been chosen by God and everyone else, any outsider who tries to take the priesthood um, shall be put to death. So God confirmed the principle that there is a selective priesthood, that there is a, a group of people who are selected to be the priest, and God quelled the rebellion of Korah and the others who were with him. These circumstances were repeated in various forms and in all cases resulted in God's punishment. I mentioned King Saul um, and uh, when he offered a burnt uh, offering, and then it says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Why? Because... He was rejected by God after he tried to offer the sacrifice. Um, and even though Saul was not just a regular person, he was anointed actually by God. He was anointed to be a king, but he did not have this, the gift of the priesthood given to him, so it was rejected. Um, king Uzziah, he's the king that I mentioned, he dared to hold the censer to raise incense. It says, Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests and the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So again, this king, he was otherwise a very successful king, but because he tried to offer the incense, he was, uh, he was made to be uh, leprous. His actions uh, were considered treachery, and he was banished and excluded from the house of the Lord, where he remained a leper till the day of his death. So these are some of the examples in the Old Testament that speak about how God treated people who tried to seize the priesthood and what was like the ramifications against them. Um, next time, God willing, we'll focus more on the, the, the priesthood change. What type of change was in the priesthood? Was the God of the Old Testament different than the God of the New Testament? Because this is another thing that people argue and they'll say, the priesthood was something that was necessary and existed in the Old Testament only, but the New Testament does not need priests anymore. Um, even if you look at the way that the apostles were selected, right? The apostles were selected by Christ. He, he selected certain groups of people, the 12 disciples. And then when that group expanded to the 72 apostles, again, Christ selected who are going to be the 72 apostles. Um, and, and we see even in the book of Acts, um, that there is the laying of hands that is that is for the ordination of the bishops. Actually, when St. Paul is speaking to St. Timothy, he says, do not lay hands on anyone hastily, like to become a bishop, right? Because St. Timothy was, uh, was, was the disciple of St. Paul, and so St. Paul is giving him guidance and advice about how to choose bishops, right? How to select bishops. So he told him, um, don't lay your hands on him hastily. Laying hands means ordination. That whenever the bishop wants to ordain uh, an, uh, another bishop or a priest, he does so through the laying of hands, right? So, so even Saint Paul, when he's speaking to Saint Timothy, he's speaking about the ordination. And why is there an ordination? Because it is a gift of God. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, and that's why it can only be done by the bishop, because the bishop was given 
the authority by God in his priesthood to be able to ordain other bishops. Okay? Actually, in the church, um, the pope is the one who participates, of course, in the, in the ordination of all bishops. But um, the, uh, as an emergency measure that was put into place, uh, because if something were to happen after like a, a wave of persecution in the church, and for whatever reason we don't have a pope or the church is scattered, um, if you have three bishops together, they can ordain a new bishop with the, the consent of three bishops. Um, other than that, the pope is typically the one uh, who, who ordains bishops. But uh, if you've ever seen a bishop ordination, um, typically whenever they go to Egypt in the cathedral for the ordination, all of the bishops will lay hands on the new, on the new bishop who's being ordained. They will all take turns um, laying hands, showing that the whole church is consenting that this person would be um, ordained a bishop. So that's all I have for today. But does anyone have any questions before we conclude today? Okay. We can pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We thank you for all the gifts that you have given us and all the sacraments you have given us in the church and the gifts of the priesthood through which, O Lord, we receive salvation. We thank you, O God, for your mercy and love and kindness. Be patient with us and forgive us our sins in all that we do. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from the evil one in christ jesus our lord for thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever and ever amen the love of god the father the grace of the only begotten son our lord god and savior jesus christ the community the gift of the holy spirit be with you all go in peace the peace of the lord be with you